The following is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast will be about talking about sex with your kids. Now, this is something that uh, Sarah would say, okay, we need to have the talk. We need to have the talk. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm busy. No, we need to have the talk. We need to have the talk. And so I would just sit there and feel awkward. So I think that's what I'll do for this podcast. And to you, Sarah. That's great. When I was pregnant with our first child, we went to a parenting class or a birthing class. And there were all these professional couples and one teenage couple and every time they talked about using all the proper anatomy vocabulary the teenage boy and steve urquhart would giggle it was kevin kevin was 18 the whole time yeah. kevin and i would make eye contact oh my gosh they weren't calling it like the duty or the i mean they were real anatomical terms and so that was pretty much that's been pretty much consistent our whole marriage. I So this is one of the topics that I felt like as a parent, we were going to teach our kids. We wanted them to be smart. Then we wanted them to be safe. We wanted them to be knowledgeable. And I, and I meant that from, you know, even young kids, they need to know age appropriately, how to be smart and safe. And as they grew up, we continued to have conversations and I'll get into specifics about the kinds of conversations we had, the kinds of things and what ages worked for us and for our kids. And over the years, we morphed a little. We were, uh, we started out awfully conservative. Um, by the time our kids were adults, we were a little more, uh, we were a little less conservative but I think this, we would have been fairly consistent with a lot of this, with maybe a little tweaking as they got older, if we'd stayed more conservative. Yeah, I mean, I think we were pretty consistent. So, yeah, we, we were religious, and now we're, we're not religious. And so, you know, Mormon, Mormon faith, and uh, so the Mormon faith has some pretty heavy don'ts when it comes to sexual activity for kids. And so those factored in clearly to uh, what, how we discuss things with our kids. But I think even there, we always are pretty practical realizing even if you have moral teachings, uh, religious teachings that, you know, sex shouldn't happen before marriage. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a reason the species keeps, uh, keeps, keeps showing up and keeps producing offspring is uh, I think we, we always, don't always realize, follow those rules. Yeah. We don't always follow those rules. I mean, as a species, I think you'd have to say, uh, you know, not following, uh, rules about morality probably are, uh, uh, as common as following them. Uh, you know, we are, we're biological successes and, you know, our perspective from the religious background is okay. We, we do believe we will teach these things do's and don'ts, shoulds and shouldn'ts, but... Uh, but then we were going to be flexible with whatever they brought to the table. Well, yeah, and also teaching, you know, if if there is sex, if there is sexual activity, uh, you know, here's here's how it, here's how it should happen. Sure. I'm going to talk about different ages and what we did at different ages, but I want to start out saying there are some things we did that that was, you know, consistent from the start. First of all, 
I made it clear that whatever our kids, whenever they wanted to ask a question, they could ask anytime. It didn't have to wait for one of our formal sex talks because we had a few formal sex talks. But it didn't have to wait for that. They could, they could ask anytime. There was no shame in the question, no guilt in the question. And I tried to make no embarrassment in the question. And I'm pretty good about that. But some things caught me off guard. And I, you know, and if you don't have a, a big part of how to avoid the embarrassment is to try and get your vocabulary down. If you know the kinds of words you want to say, the kinds of things you want to say, it's you feel less embarrassed. It's when you're stumbling over what words you want to use. And really, that's going to be what you're comfortable with. You know, the phrasing you want to use, be as consistent as you can. And I did read early on something about try and use, try and be anatomically correct if you can. And But if you're oh, not you comfortable were. with that, <laughs> if you're not comfortable with that, then don't do it. But I didn't want to... You know, I didn't make up names for the nose or the elbow or the knee. So why was I going to make up names for other body parts? That didn't make any sense to me. And it wouldn't have made sense to my child. So that was my logic. I had to get comfortable with those words. And if you're not comfortable with those words, when you're driving alone in the car, say the word, whatever word you're not comfortable with, say it a hundred times. Say it, do that every day for a week if you need to until you can say the words without stumbling. You gave me that advice. I did that at traffic light. My window is down. Windows down, the next car is bad. That wasn't true, but that's funny. Okay. those that just, So starting off, you have to get comfortable with those words. You have to get comfortable with phraseology. Okay. The next thing you have to do, or you don't have to do any of this, but the next thing we did is we would answer their questions as age appropriate as they were growing up. But we did have a formal talk when they turned eight years old. And so it was right around their birthday, not on their birthday, but right around their birthday, they, we, and we picked eight because I read a book. I don't care if it's eight. In fact, our youngest daughter, she had some delays uh, and they were more extreme when she was younger. She wouldn't have been able to accept the news. She wouldn't have been able to understand even what I was talking about at the age of eight. So we did it, I think, around 11 or 12. And um, when she could understand everything we were trying to explain to her siblings who were eight, uh, what I would recommend is pick a top age. Okay, we. if I'm not comfortable doing it when this child's eight, well, I know I'm going to do it before this child turns 10. And then you pick a weekend, pick a time, and we would have this conversation. The other thing that child got to do is pick a place to go out to eat. And, you know, we just made it. I tried to make it this special conversation. So we would have the conversation first and then go out to dinner or vice versa. But it was, you know, that was just part of the formality of the conversation. I would try and use very real words. We've talked about that. I'd answer all their questions, and we read the book, Where Do I Come From? Oh, I hated that book so much. It's kind of, it's cartoony and you, kind just of this, fat people having oh, sex. This anatomically challenged fat man who needed to manscape. Oh, I hated that book. That was, and it, that was a book I had in my house growing up. 
So I felt comfortable having it with my kids and I had it on the bookshelf that they could go grab it if they needed to at any point. They knew where it was and I told them they could, you know, no shame, no guilt if they wanted to be in their room and kind of read, read up on this without their parents. That was completely okay with me. And so that was, but have a book. I'm sure by now there are plenty of other options. Have a book you're comfortable with. And I think it's smart to have some naked people there. You may hear, (laughs) excuse me. No, no, no. (laughs) I think it's important. Okay. You can't laugh because then it sounds like, (laughs) no. Bishop, can you, uh, can you and Sister Johnson come over? I think it's important if the book shows what naked people look like so that it's something they understand that's a part of the process. It's a part of what's going to happen here. And you can, it's right there for everybody to see. So I think that's important. You can decide for your family and what you think, but that was, that was something important. So, okay, we'd, we'd go to, we'd do dinner. That was around age eight. I, with all of my kids, none of them had a ton of follow-up questions. I was surprised. I thought there would be far more conversation. My oldest daughter, oh, she was not happy about it. And that lasted for a long time. She didn't, but the other kids were like, okay, fine, let's go to dinner. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. What do you mean she wasn't happy about it? Just that this happened that this was the that way this that... happened in the world she was not comfortable with so then the the next formal conversation we had three daughters and one boy i um one son i when they were teens tweens so just before they became teens we would have a uh, follow-up conversations and maybe it was when you had the the fifth grade uh puberty maturation uh, program at school that was usually a follow-up is you know they're tween, uh, when just before their teens we'd talk about periods and we'd talk about wet dreams with our son you know and but I didn't I didn't talk about the way a boy's body was changing with my daughters I didn't talk about a girl's body with my son necessarily I was trying to give them information they might need now I I would say to my son, as an example, your sisters are going through different kinds of changes. If you have questions about that, maybe you're hearing things at school, maybe I'm happy to talk about them. I'll talk about it right now. I would have told him every detail if he'd been curious. And the same with my daughters, you know, you're, the boys are doing and probably Ruth had some follow-up questions in a way that the other sisters wouldn't have. But you know, I was just, I was going to have that kind of conversation, but I never wanted to give them more than they needed, more than they wanted in the moment, or more that was than was age appropriate. So that was very important to me as I really tried to stay on that. Now, some of that you're guessing. You don't exactly know. So you're kind of talking, talking until you start to see them push back because they are a little curious. They are, you know, they will, this is, this is a topic that's out there. So especially with the internet, you know, it's something that they, so to have a parent that they can talk to or parents that are available, that was super important. Can as, as parents now, can't you just completely punt on the topic because the internet exists? Oh, I hope not. No, it's a joke. Oh, okay. yeah. 
thought that's horrible. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, so then, it, it, yeah, is it it a lame joke, but it probably does suggest that these conversations will have to we'll morph a little from what we did. Yeah, but I mean, okay, I guess there's always been a necessity and importance for them, but there's a lot of a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of bad information. So, you know, maybe at, at an earlier age now, you need to put out some markers of what what really is going on and what should go on. And that's a good point. There is so much misinformation. I wanted to be a source of information. I wanted them to know they could come to me and I wanted my information to always be right so that when they could start to see things, some of this challenged, they knew mom was a source for correct information. Okay, so you've talked about biology and how sex works and, you know, they knew that getting yes. together. So, you know, you covered the basics of it, which is important. I mean, I remember uh, I Wayne Compton uh, in fourth grade taught me how it worked and he, he got a lot wrong. And then uh, Kenny Kinshaba, uh he supplemented that, you know, a year or two later and that was a lot wrong. And uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of misinformation out there. But you covered, okay, so you covered, you know, the, the physical aspects, the biological aspects. Talk about the P's that you would give, the, the, the shoulds and shouldn'ts. Okay. Well, I'm going to say one more thing. Once they became teens, a con- I, I would do another conversation where we would talk about parties, touching, safety, because that's always a thing, especially with our daughters. I'm not going to say especially, but for sure I had it with boys and girls. I would introduce the idea of boyfriends and girlfriends. So instead of it just being this clinical act, I started, you know, talking about how this might be meaningful to them, what they're seeing in their school, that kind of thing. So as they became, so part of that, this teen conversation, and then the, I started talking about the five P's. I stole this from, I stole some of these P's from a nurse um, but I've added a couple of my own, but I do these five P's and these are, these are they feel free to use them if you choose. The first one is permission. We talk about permission or consent, what that means. There's a lot of robust conversation about permission or consent in our communities right now in our nation. So lots of resources on that. So we would talk about what that means, what that should look like how to be consistent there. P number two is protection. What the, you know, what protection options are, what are you protecting from, and then which birth control um, or other forms of protection can provide protection for different things. And so which things are important and, well, okay, so protection. The third one is pleasure. And that is one I never heard growing up. But the concept of pleasure going in both directions, that both participants need to be finding joy in this act and what that might look like and, you know, that you need to be responsible for that or be expectant of that. The fourth one, and this is one I added, the concept of sex and a sexual relationship allowing you to feel powerful. And I, this is where I kind of talk, again, age appropriate, but I talk about kinks 
kinks can be a whole thing, but there needs to be an element of feeling powerful in that. Even if your kink is not to feel powerful, but it's still the, the uh, idea of you having some control in what's happening here. The, and, and, and I would really try to talk to them about not feeling guilty about those things. If that's what your mind's looking for during the sexual act, that's okay. And, and how to, how to do that. The last one I was, I, I would add was, is porn. And, you know, where are you on that? For, for, um, so for porn, I think it's important that people understand, kids understand it's out there. Of course they've seen it. You know, there are all different levels of porn and, I had to decide what I wanted to talk to my kids about. So this just allowed me to understand my, what was important to me, the kind of messages I wanted to give my different, the, the kids, that porn can be a part of an adult's life. It doesn't have to be everything. Maybe it's nothing. It's really up to them. But if there's no guilt and shame tied to it, then you can decide how that works into into your, into your sexual activity. The other thing I do tell my kids, and I didn't even think of it till now, it's also a P, a bonus P, is patterns. That if there is something you introduce in sex to, to your sexual activity, and I'm going to say you get drunk the first 50 times you have sex, you might need to always get drunk to have sex and or porn well not if like introduce... let, let me stop you there yeah. so not like that's a good good thing if you introduce patterns then they might they might be a detriment a, a go-to that's exactly right so i was careful with my kids and and these are the conversations i'm having with my kids prior to as they're adults they're headed to college or in college when i can see they might become sexually active we'd talk and some of these things I'd introduced a little earlier, but these, as I wanted to make sure they knew all the P's um, at some point. And so like this element, I would introduce a, when they were a little older. But the idea of don't get so caught up in something that's working that it you have to have it. So, you know, to, and, and to give them the permission to understand that this is a lot in our brain. It's some in our heart. It's a lot in our bodies. And don't, if we can remove that guilt and shame, then you can own it as, as a, an individual, as you move into a sexual life and that you're not, you don't have to be caught up in, this is how it has to be, or here are the dogmas or the rules that I have to follow. I really tried to give them a lot of space for them to figure it out for themselves. So go back over those again. What are your five Ps that morphed into six? Five into six. So permission, consent. Number two is protection in all its forms. Number three is pleasure. Number four is power. You want it to help you feel powerful. Number five is porn. Where does that fit in? And number six is patterns. So if once my kids knew that, and so I'm going to jump back into when I talked, as I could see a child, and I say a child, they, as they, many of them, or all of them were for sure college age or beyond, that, you know, when I could see 
some of them or as they were becoming sexually active or I could see they were getting serious with a boyfriend or girlfriend or headed away where I thought it might happen. I would have, I would make sure we'd go over all of these again, because even if they've heard them before, I want to make sure they completely understood these. And then with all of my kids, I would circle back, especially as they got serious with somebody and I would have a post-sex conversation. Have you had sex? What, you know, are, are you comfortable? Is it, you know, and, and I would ask some, and I would say, are you comfortable if I ask some pointed questions, some very detailed questions? And I would ask them questions. Are you doing this? Is this happening? And I would get yeses and nos. And then I could say, are you, you know, are you good with that? Is there anything that's bothering you? Is there... And, and it's been really interesting to have my kids respond. If they said no, I don't want to have the conversation. I wouldn't have it. But I haven't had any of them say no. They've all been very happy to have this conversation. And then we could follow up and say, okay, I could say other things maybe that I hadn't thought of, you know, think, give, giving them space to really own their own bodies and own this relationship. And, you know, I had one child who was in a relationship for a long time and it was three or four years in. And I said, are things, is your sexual relationship changing a little? And she kind of was surprised and said, well, yeah, I said, very typical. That's not, you know, don't worry about that. Here's something, you know, and I could just give a little advice and it has been interesting with my kids to be able to do that because it gives them room. I could just see in so many different times, I can just see them relax and go, oh, this is normal. This is, but when you're, you're in a space where you're not talking about it or you feel super uncomfortable, these were things my kids couldn't even, didn't even know to verbalize, to ask, you know, that this is changing. Is it normal or not? And so I really want them to be able to come to me even now to say, to ask any questions. And if I don't know, we'll figure it out or I'll, I can say, I don't know. And, you know, but the, the older they're getting, of course, more friends are and more and more, all the people in their lives are becoming more sexual, sexually active. And so I'm not necessarily the go-to, but I am a go-to. And that's been, it is something many of them have circled, they've circled back to have these conversations with me. Yeah, I, this is an area where I really appreciate that you picked up the laboring or on this. You know, these are, these are such important topics and ways that they can find great joy and fulfillment in life and also ways that teenagers well, I mean, anyone can get get in trouble. And so I like that they they did have some clear conversations. And, uh, you know, as they got older, uh, I was able to, you know, jump in. And I actually ran quite a bit of sex ed legislation while I was in the Capitol. And that gave me a good segue to, to talk with them about some of these things. One, one conversation, important conversation I think I had was with Ike. At the time, he probably would have been 13 or 14. And, you know, I want to go back and talk with you about why do you think I was so lame about this and why were you so brave? Because, you know, I, I imagine there will be some people listening who have the same difficulty with the That's topic as, as I yeah, did. Yeah, I don't know. As you know, I had tremendous difficulty. It was like 
killing a spider. I mean, I, you know, I know it should be done, but I just really don't <laughs> want to do it. But, but I, I felt that our boy was being subjected to some bad and maybe even dangerous messaging about masturbation. And so, you know, just too strident that if, if you do it, you're a horrible person. And I just, I uh, never thought that was healthy advice. I think that's advice how you can just profoundly screw up an individual and prep, screw up that individual's sexuality. So I really had to gear up for this. And, uh, you know, we talked and then I talked with just tons of my friends uh, who are fathers about, okay, you know, what what is the messaging here? And, you know, got their advice. And so you know, I just really remember this day because, you know, I feel like it was a good parenting day. Good. Mike and I were headed up to Pine Valley from St. George. And so that's about a, a 40, 50 minute drive. And, you know, I just took a deep breath and we dove in and talked about masturbation. You know, basically my message was just, uh, you know, look, this is natural. This is something that, you know, it, it, it happens. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but you just, you don't want to spend your life masturbating. I mean, it's just an issue of, yeah, some might disagree with that. But, um, you know, this is, this is just something you, do, you don't want to just do this 24 seven. I mean, there, there are other things to do in life. So it's just an issue of balance. And anyway, it, it was a, it was a fascinating conversation and it really was pretty one sided. Yeah, a lot of mine were too. Not all, but a lot. But it's one of these where I could tell he didn't want me to stop talking about it. He didn't, you know, he was awkward and, you know, because I'm like, are, are you okay if we're talking about this? And he's like, yeah. I mean, where he's like, okay, let's let's talk about this. Because what I was telling him was, you know, I think in direct conflict with some of the dogma that he was being taught. And so it was interesting for him I could tell that's what was going on is he's like, you know, okay, this isn't what I have been taught my whole life. And, you know, I think this is a future podcast you and I are going to do. It's raising your kids according to your heart, your best knowledge, rather than someone else's dogma. And, you know, I'm really glad that I found the courage to do that because, uh, you know, I do think it was an important talk for him to be able to realize, okay, this, uh, this subject. Uh, sexuality obviously is much more nuanced and complex than what I'm hearing at church. Exactly right. And, you know, we had to decide as we were, our kids were in high school, that's when we were morphing out of church and being religious. And, you know, I, there were some things I didn't know. I only had what I'd been taught and what we lived, which was don't have sex till you're in high, or until you're in high school. Till you are married, don't have sex till you're married, and um, and you know, and everything we learned, and I didn't know quite how to teach my kids, and I had somebody say that she tells her children don't have sex while you're in high school, and this is a guideline for her kids: don't have sex while you're in high school, but don't graduate college without having sex. Like there's a window, and. I think that's interesting. And, you know, again, if it's a guideline, you're just kind of t giving your kids permission to say it's coming. It's, you know, trying to have a little self-control in high school. And if it if you can't, you're not going to die. You're not going to be disowned. 
But, you know, it's something. And, and then college figured out. And, you know, that's interesting. We didn't, that was, that, I heard that after most of our kids were already in college. But, so it's not something I shared with them. But I do think it's an interest. you know, there, I guess my point is, there are people out there figuring this stuff out. And so you need to figure out what sits with you. And this, that line sat well with me. And I thought, oh, I would have used that. Yeah, I think most people at least figure out the second part of that advice. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, the last thing I or for me, the I think one of the main main things here that I think is so important is you have to face these conversations or somebody else is going to have this conversation with your child. And yeah, probably or the internet's going to have it. They're going they're having them anyway, so face these conversations. We have uh some friends. This just happened in the last few weeks. We have friends, we've known these friends forever. And one of their daughters had a boyfriend over. First time, she's 16. This is cute. Halloween night, people. This is this is so glaringly inappropriate, what you're about to hear. Oh, so we uh, we meet this cute boy. We, of course, we're... Cute, innocent We're hanging boy, out with the family. Girl. And they thought they were going to have this great fun night. So that we they they left. The couple left and we were talking with our couple friend, our friends. And I said, so they said, we this is her first boyfriend. We, you know, she's in her room with the door shut. I said, well, you've had the sex conversation. Well, both of the parents, him and ha a little, you know, we just don't know. I'm like, oh, you're going to have the conversation or I'm going to. And, and you know, these are old friends, good friends. This is my college room. And we, uh, we, she came home. The daughter came home, left her boyfriend, came home. And her parents say, hey, Sarah wants to have a conversation about sex with you. Now, that was not my first choice. And Steve's over there. And this was not the girl's first choice That's either. That's true. It certainly wasn't Steve's. But I was not going to give up this chance. I could see her parents were kind of not sure how to do it, how to dive into it. And I was not going to leave her alone. So I pulled up my phone. I pulled out the five Ps. Then now I've added six. And we went through it. I was just waiting for this book to come out again with the, the chubby man. No, book didn't come out. But she was old enough, and she was so cute. She just faced me and said, Sarah, bring it on. I want to oh, have the conversation. It. She loved it. She was in it. And what, And I kept deferring to her parents because she's like, Kate, I closed the door because I don't want to make I don't want to make out in the living room to make my sister uncomfortable. So I go in my room, and it seems appropriate to close the door. And her parents are saying, I said, I, I can't make the rules of the house. So parents, what are the rules? And then she physically turned her body to them and said, what are the rules? I mean, she wanted to yeah, know. She was like, where can I? I'm going to make out with this boy. Where can I make And out? I was saying sex. And she just kind of rolled her eyes. She said, we're not having sex. I just need to know where to make out. It was super cute. And I thought, okay, completely age appropriate. But now she does have the sex. And I. The sex question, some of those sex questions answered because we talked about them, but I could say, and it was good for me to say, to, for one, to just dive in, two, 
to be looking at her parents saying, I can't make these rules. The parents have to make the rules. But part of what I said is, I'm sure your parents want to talk to you about this, even if they're a little uncomfortable. And I said it right in front of them. I, I mean, that's the funny thing. There were four adults and there's this poor 16-year-old girl. And I said, I'm sure they want to talk to you about it. But if they can't, call me. And she was, she immediately, what is your phone number? I mean, she put it in. It was, it was just darling. Now she's, she clearly had been wanting to have this discussion and you, you opened the door for her parents to have it. So her parents, who we know extremely well, and this girl, we've known her since birth. They obviously were having, I think still are having a tough time and they're super close with their kids. They're having a tough time with this topic, just like I did. Why are why do some of us have such a difficult time with this topic? I mean, heavens, you know, I will talk about anything other than this topic with my kids. So, I, you know, I guess that's one way of phrasing the question. Why are some of us so hesitant to do this? But maybe the more important way of asking that, why are you brave? What made you brave? What can parents do to uh, find some courage on this and have these necessary conversations? That is a good question because I don't know, I other than, I know I'm uncomfortable. I mean, I, I'm, I'll fully acknowledge I'm not always comfortable. I don't always know what I'm going to say, but... Maybe we, could, I, maybe we could hire you out. I'm just thinking... Oh, you should. I should be hired out for that. That would be a good thing. But I think I maybe it's a fear-driven thing. I was more afraid of somebody else talking to my child. I was more afraid of my child, a young child, not being, not knowing they could say no, you know, keeping themselves safe. I was more afraid of those things than I was this conversation. I, I, that was important to me. And so I think that, and once I kind of dove in and you know, I was the same way with you. The way you're talking about Ike is you just had to dive in with that conversation. Once I was in it, almost every single time, once I was in it, I could see they wanted it. I could see it was good for them to be having this conversation. And so I'm trying since I could see they weren't super open because, again, some conversations were more open than others. I could play the let's do a yes and no kind of game. And I could kind of guess what is age appropriate. And here's the other thing, Steve. I, you talked about when you first learned about sex. I remember learning about sex. I was five years old. And most of what I learned was wrong, like you. But I was, I, I would hear these things on the playground and I would, try to fill in the gaps all wrong and it I know the kind of I know how hard that was for me I had a lot of milestones that were not good in sex because regarding sex because I just didn't know how to ask who to ask what to ask and I did not want my kids likely my kids were going to have some of that you just can't you can't do it perfectly, but I wanted them to have less of that than I had. Yeah, yeah. I learned on our honeymoon, and it was traumatic for both of us. <laughs> okay, I think we should end there. No, no. I, there's, okay. there's, 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 no, there's more that I want to say. What was it? 
No, so I'm a, I'm a biology major. I mean, the the topic of human sexuality is endlessly fascinating to me. And, you know, with with other adults, I mean, oh, my gosh, I will not shy away at all. You don't. So really just so, you know, now that my kids are older, I don't think I shy away. I mean, you know, have conversations. But does it have to do with guilt or shame? Something growing up in your home? Is there... I mean, what is it? No, I think I think 100% what it was is I just thought they're so young. They're so young. Do we need to, you know, I just felt like it was too early. But, I mean, obviously, you know, I've, I've heard the data. I mean, like, what is it? By the time, you know, they're in high school or something, you know, 100% have seen porn. I mean, you know, porn is just absolutely pervasive and you know, there, there probably is, I mean, that's, that's, that's a horrible way to learn about sex. I mean, just cause it's not really representative of, you know, anything and a lot of it's can not healthy. Oh yeah. A lot of it's. So, yeah, it's, so what, I, I don't have an answer for you other than I, and still it's, it's like with our friend's daughter the other day, I didn't want to be having that conversation, but I also didn't want her pregnant in a month you know i didn't i i love this girl so much i love her parents her family so much that i could see they were kind of struggling so i was going to and i I was hoping by me having the conversation it might open it up for the family and and i actually think it has we've had follow-up conversations with them and i think they're they're, they laugh that I had the conversation with their daughter, but, and she does too. They laugh right, you know, I can't believe we did that. But now it's a little more open between them. Yeah, no, she, she completely loved it. And yeah, she just did pivot. She was facing you and she wanted to have the conversation. And uh, yeah, definitely her parents are glad that you opened the door. But, uh, you know, even while she's actively dating, just really tough for them to have that conversation. So regardless, I just, you know, my, I'm going to kind of recap to say, figure it out for your family, for your kids. If your kids are no, you know, older than eight, well then jump in where you can and, and, you know, fill in the gaps so that they, you want to make sure they understand the nuts and bolts. You want to make sure that they understand the love that can accompany this and you want to, this is a great time to communicate your values, your, um, you know, the, the things you think are important and your life experience. We've been able to say, you know, this is, this is what has been true for me or for us as a couple, but your life and your experiences might feel different. So here are a number of options, a number of ways that it could go. And so it's, you know, this is a very important time to do that and get in and do it. But be talking because if you're not, somebody else is. Well, like so many things, you did a great job on this with our kids and I appreciate it. I know they appreciate it. Um, You know, great relationships with boyfriends, with girlfriends. And, uh, you know, I know this played a a part in that, the, the tough conversations. And I see them. They have much healthier sexual relationships than the weird dogma I had to push through you know even 
in in a monogamous marriage, I had to figure this out because of, of the weird things I was taught. I just can see my kids just so much more at peace and relaxed with the decisions they're making. And I'm so grateful for that. Perfect Parenting Podcast is a production of Vanguard Media. Steve Urquhart and Sarah Urquhart are the hosts, writers, and creators of the podcast. Chris Vanguard is the executive producer. Hammond Chamberlain is the associate producer and sound engineer. And Shayla Don is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Perfect Parenting Podcast. I'm Chris Vanguard. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.